Welcome to the Green Team of the Legendarium, the weird little patron spinoff of the Legendarium podcast. We get to t- together to discuss the books and topics our favorite podcast hasn't gotten around to yet. I'm Little Red Book, the lady mother of Num One Son and Wave Boy. And today I have with me Chesky, the Lord Defender of Portal Fantasy. Hey. And we have his lady wife, who has deigned to come on our humble podcast. Hello. And another special guest, legendary panelist Stephanie, the Lady Commander of Secret Societies. Hello. Today we are discussing Shades of Milk and Honey by Mary Robinette Kowal. I don't know how to say her last name, guys. Cool. I'm sorry. Yeah. Take the sensibility of sense and sensibility and the pride of pride and prejudice, add some magic, and we follow two sisters seeking husbands. One is beautiful. One wields magic. An old childhood acquaintance returns to the neighborhood, and a new neighbor's sister joins his household. Shopping, balls, and polite conversation ensue. Come for the gowns and stay for the social commentary. To start, how would you rank this book on a five-star scale? I could start. I would put this at a high three, 3.75 and above, and then low four, 4.25. So somewhere in there is kind of where it sits for me. I would say I give it a solid three. Definitely. I'm in around the four-ish area. I like the low fours if I can do a a point-point system somewhere in the low fours. So, Oh, man. I got such a different take. So first of all, before I give you my number, I want to say I love this book. It was so much fun, and I loved reading it. It's a 2.5. It just is. It's fine. (laughs) It's so much fun, but it's not great. (laughs) It's just not. That's just my feeling, and I no judgment. If you loved it, I'm glad you loved it. I loved it. I'm just letting you know how I felt about it. I mean, if you loved it, doesn't your enjoyment of it bring it up a little bit on the star rating there? No. (laughs) The end is, guys, the end of this book is nonsense. It's just complete (laughs) 100% nonsense. Most of the book is nonsense. (laughs) Well, yes. Um, And it is what it is. And I love it. And I I loved reading it. So, yeah, but 2.5 is all I can give it. Sorry. Wow. But, you know, I think most books are between a 2 and a 4. So... Anyway, <laughs> I'm judgmental. Um, <laughs> so what did you show, enjoy most about the story and what did you dislike? I already said what I disliked. The end is, the end is nonsense. So what did you enjoy? Um, I like manners and, and uh, stories of manners. And I, I like the aesthetic of the book. Uh, and I like... Is this manners as in like etiquette or manners yeah. as in like buildings? Manners as in etiquette. Okay. Like the that that whole aesthetic that especially Jane Austen is known for but British literature is known for in general um I like the main character mostly and I liked uh, the love triangle I thought it was well done I thought it was more of a love straight shot on my end I, <laughs> I knew immediately upon meeting upon meeting the man that he was going to be the one that she ended up with so oh yeah but it was, there was no lit. triangle for me it was just a shot you usually know though I was like, you really are really good at picking out things like that. Because for me, this was my second read through on this book. So I knew the second time I read through it. But the first time I read it, I don't think I picked that up. I didn't, I couldn't decide who she would end up with. So. So what did you like about it? I liked, I liked the magic aspect of it. It it didn't really like, I wish it would have gone into a little bit more detail of like, maybe more, I don't know, logistics of the magic, a little bit more detail of that. But it was fun to read a Regency novel of like, with magic included in it. So 
that's what I really liked about it. What about you, Stephanie? I um I have to agree. I think the magic system was one of my favorite things and for as many Regency novels as I have read, it was kind of a fun addition to a storyline like that. As far as what I didn't like, I think my biggest problem with this book was the the development of the characters. I feel like um, the author just assumes that you've read like Jane Austen. And you understand how these characters are supposed to work and what the the time period is and how the Regency period works with the hierarchy of lords and ladies and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like so she just kind of ran along those lines and assumed the reader knew what was going on instead of taking the time to actually develop the characters as far as like their society and along that kind of stuff. I would have appreciated a little bit more in that aspect. Yeah, so definitely um, Jane Austen obviously didn't explain her society because she was writing for her society. But I felt like the whole thing was just there was it was very tropey, you know, like here's the beautiful younger sister. And and so, yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. Yeah. OK, what I didn't like about the book particularly was uh, that I felt like it followed Jane Austen too closely. <laughs> yes. like the fact that she named her main character Jane <laughs> like too too similar too similar for me right there <laughs> it it really was taking pride and prejudice and then sense of sensibility and squishing them together yeah what I liked I agree I did like the magic I wish there had been more but I think there's more in the sequels um I I liked that it followed Jane Austen a little bit more because having been forced to sit through like Pride and Prejudice, and <laughs> I had a general idea of where the plot was going, but it didn't stick closely enough that it was an exact like shot for shot of the book. And so and that gave me the, the comfortable feeling that I had with it. You know, that was it. But the things I didn't like was that as weirdly as it is, you know, Marie Robinette Guall is usually very good about her word choice and her like keeping it concise. I just hated all the weird spellings that she threw in the book, the the choose with the C-H-U-S-E. And instead of I showed somebody this, I shooed someone something. And I was like, ah, I just felt inconsistent. And I really, really hated that part. She did throw I a little bit of, like French in there too. Yeah. And I like, just. The younger like sister that. said law a lot. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, Melody, <laughs> just stop. So just stop with the law. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to it, so I don't know I did if too. I picked up on all of that. <laughs> yeah, well. I did too. I didn't have to worry about the weird spelling. But the law thing definitely stood <laughs> out. <laughs> oh, law, Jane. Yeah, I was like, why do you keep saying law? Like, you're not singing. Stop it. Just <laughs> <laughs> And I just, I don't like re Regencies for the most part. I did like this one. It didn't feel 100% like a Regency to me as much, I guess. Because it had magic in it. Probably because it had magic in it. <laughs> I just get so tired of people being like, I didn't do anything today. Like, I just sat and talked. And I'm like, how did you get your money? Where did the money come from? How do you keep subsisting? Don't you care what happens to your property? Like, you just did nothing all day. And the dad's like, I sat around and went and bought dresses for my daughters. And I'm like, that, that can't be all you do all day, every day. I just When you're rich, yes, it can. <laughs> can if you're rich, but how rich are they? We're just told they're rich. And I'm like, I want more details. Like somebody has to be managing something because otherwise you'll just spend it all and you'll lose it all. But that's me. I'm sorry. I'll 
Yeah, you don't follow Regency novels enough to understand how they can sit around and do nothing and pay other people to do all of their work. That was such a brilliant rant. I love it. It makes sense, but I just like, when reading it, I'm like, I want more details or more info. And the characters don't even know what they do half the time. They're like, I just have money and spend it. So they make money off the fact that they own property and lease it out to their tenants. That's where the money comes from. I still don't like it. Okay, fine. That's how it worked back then. So when you said that you watched Pride and Prejudice, was it the new one with What's-Her-Face? Or the old one? Yeah, with, or the older one with Colin Firth. Watched it multiple times. I don't know which one it was. Did you sit and watch an actual movie or did you have to sit for six hours and watch (laughs) a miniseries? I think it was the movie because I don't remember sitting for six hours. I don't think I forced him through this. Yeah, I don't think she forced him through the six hour. Well, that was nice of you. Yes, Colin Firth is more like a mini series. Yes. Where it is, it is the long haul watching it. Kira Knightley is a normal length movie. I was just curious. It it doesn't matter. I was just wondering. Watch the one with Colin Firth. He gets out of a pond and his shirt's all clingy. That doesn't happen in the book, but you know. (laughs) <laughs> we have a utah remake that's a modern day version of pride and prejudice that if you ever want a, a cheesy version of that you can all watch pride and prejudice with the pink bible the pink bible yes okay okay so now we're going to move into spoilers because <laughs> as much as you care about, about spoilers <laughs> how do you talk about a book and not talk about spoilers i'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, if you care about being spoiled for this fun Regency romance with magic novel, stop now. But we all know what's going to happen because he, she's going to get the guy and live happily ever after. Because that's what happens in these books, and that's why we read them. <laughs> what was the most interesting? Well, let me, let me try phrasing this differently. The most interesting thing about this book is how the sibling rivalry is handled and how the parents' interactions with their daughters influence the sibling rivalry. So what are your thoughts about that? I know Stephanie wanted to talk about this. Let me just start. Go ahead. Okay. So this is my second time reading through this. I was recommended this book last year. So I read the entire series. Yes. By <laughs> yes. He rec- He was the one that recommended because after I said I like, I enjoyed Regency novels, this was recommended to me. So this is my second time through. And I have to admit the first time through, I don't think I paid as much attention this the the sibling rivalry and their relationship because i was i'm trying to understand the magic system i'm trying to understand the other like more romantic relationships that were going on and some of the the other stuff that's happening outside of the main character so this time through um i really had an opportunity to listen more about the relationship and the conversations that jane has with her sister melody I happen to have an older sister. She is five years older than me. So I am the youngest and she is obviously the older sister. I have a brother in between us, but that doesn't really fit into this dynamic. But this was very much like listening to me and my sister growing up. We were not good friends growing up. We were constantly, I always wanted to do everything with her because she was cool and she was older. And so there was this jealousy of my older sister that my older sister never really understood and then we got into the point where we're both dating and she has friends that want to date her younger sister so they're making friends with my sister so they can get introduced to me and all of a sudden I'm like oh my gosh I hope I'm not as shallow as Melody but man I see a lot of myself growing up in Melody and it kind of annoyed me because she's kind of an obnoxious character 
<laughs> but as I'm like listening to this really, and so as we got older, me and my sister, we're best friends now and we get along really well. Now that we're in very different, we're more like on even ground in our lives as opposed to me being in high school and her being in college and me wanting to date her college friends because college guys were cool when I was 16. Mm-hmm. As legal as this is, I don't recommend this for anyone. It's not legal. Don't don't date college guys <laughs> in high school. I do not I do not recommend this. I do not anyway, side the point. You're not giving life off. life advice. Yes. <laughs> Completely off subject. But it was just really interesting going through and now that I'm older and I have a better understanding of what my relationship with my sister was growing up, how I can kind of almost see myself in Jane now going thinking back on our relationship going, oh my gosh, I was an idiot. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I, I said those kind of things to my sister. I can't believe I treated her like that. The, and there is a, there's a weird jealousy that happens in siblings like that when you have one that's talented or whatever and you have one that's prettier or one that does this or one that's just smarter. And so it, I found that more intriguing this time through following those relationships and going, okay, I can definitely see myself in these characters. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'll go next since neither Chesky nor Lady Chesky are talking. Uh, I'm the older sister. We're 14 months apart. And yeah, I really, really related to that relationship. Um, I would not say my sister and I are best friends now, but we are at least friends. But I remember uh, the phone ringing for, and it was always some guy wanting to talk to my sister and ask her out. And <laughs> I could not get a date to save the mice when I was when I was in high school, it was just a whole, but I had other talents and other things going for me. Um, I think the worst thing that ever happened to me was when I came home from camp and my mom asked me if I could wear my sister's hand-me-down bras, <laughs> which was <laughs> devastating <laughs> when you're a little sister. <laughs> Very tendential. Oh my God. So needless to say, I identified with the older sister, but I also found it really interesting how the parents really fed into that rivalry. The way the father treated the, and my parents did this a little bit too, but it's a lot more, the book makes it a lot simpler than the, how it happened in my own life and probably how any book can explain it. But the parents really fed into it. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll step in for a second. As a guy, I experienced no relation to the relationship. <laughs> my relationship with my brothers is completely different. Uh, well, Probably there are some things that were similar, but the, the parents, I, as I was reading that, like they never said anything nice about their children to the a- attribute they never had. They never once like encouraged Melody to like try and like learn something or do something or practice. And they never once gave Jane a compliment about her beauty. They're always like, yep, Jane, sure would be nice if you were beautiful, but you're ugly as sin, so you better work hard. Otherwise, you're never going to get married. And it's like, can't you say one nice thing about them? Like, yes, Jane, like, you're not the prettiest, but, like, surely there's a guy for you out there, not like, you know, hey, you got to work extra hard because otherwise you're you're going to live a spinster life. And, and they just, they, they did. They, every conversation with their daughters was like, you're beautiful. Go be beautiful. Like, you have to get married. You're smart. Go be smart. You have to get married. Like, nothing in else. In fairness, everyone was expected to get married. The men and the women were expected to get married in that society. You were not supposed to be single in oh, general. I'm not, I'm not and suggest- as a woman, if you didn't get married, you better pray that someone's willing to take care of you because yeah. you're not going to be making any money. 
Yeah. And I know yeah. it's the Regency thing. I'm just saying, like, they had no, like, you're a person and your feelings matter. It was like. These are not great parents. Yeah. They are <laughs> terrible parents. Yeah, they are. I feel like across Regency novels, like, beauty is, like, the thing that they uh, strive for. I don't know. Um, beauty is, like, the main thing that they, like, focus on in a Regency novel. Like, even going back to Jane Austen, like, older sisters always, always, for whatever reason, the oldest sister is never the pretty one. It's always the younger sisters. So I just feel like that's a theme across Regency novels, which was carried across in this book, too. I think, hmm. Okay, so in Pride and Prejudice, the focus isn't, they always talk about how beautiful all the sisters are, and they're all the most beautiful five sisters in the county or whatever. Not really Mary. Not Mary. Poor Mary. I felt so bad for Mary. <laughs> Jane is like Mary plus Elizabeth, and she's not clever either. No, I mean, they definitely, um, at least in Pride and Prejudice, there is an importance on having skill. And that's one of the things that is a drawback. Not only do the girls not have dowry, but they haven't had proper training. And that's something that the people around them make comments about on a pretty regular basis. Was that in um, Pride and Prejudice or this book? Pride and Prejudice. Okay. Which is, sure. yeah, they're, you know, they don't play and they don't draw and they don't embroider. And there's all these skills that they don't have that they're supposed to have. But they're beautiful. But they are beautiful. <laughs> but but what I'm saying is, yeah. is that that's considered a drawback not to them. Skills. Yeah, not having the education that they should have. They don't speak French. Because they need to be accomplished. Right, exactly. Accomplished. Thank you, Stephanie. It's the word that is used in Pride and Prejudice. A woman must be accomplished. Right. It's not good enough to be pretty. Although in her books, you can make up for not being pretty by being accomplished. So what about the social demands that are made on men in this book? Apparently the only social demand is to not be a loser. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's kind of a social demand now, too. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, like, the, the men, I mean, I didn't see any, like, real pressure on the men. They just spent their money and wooed women the whole book. I mean... Vincent, Mr. Vincent, you know, he has a lot of demands on him as like one of the best like artists, you know, of the glamour and that he puts that pressure on himself. But like, he's not expected to go out and make money on his glamour. He just does it. Right. I think he's like the exception to to this manly rule. I because he definitely does not follow the norms of men in this society. But Captain Livingston, he does nothing but mooch off of his aunt and then his potential girlfriends mr dunkirk was fine i don't he just lorded around like all the rest of them so like i didn't see like an exact like pressure for him to make money because he already has money the skills he had were like horseback riding and it wasn't like oh we need to follow this man learn this skill or like if he doesn't have this skill he's a failure of a man it was more like if he's not proper he's a failure so lord vincent or mr vincent has to give up his he changes his name because his family's actually embarrassed right. by what he does. Yeah. And I think that that's a fair social pressure, like the fact that he takes on a trade and... Even as a third son, what he was doing was very looked down upon. Right. Like clergy and the, the queens, the whatever, the military was really right. what, what a, anyone, not a first son, was going to do with their life. So for him to take up a trade was quite a blow to his family and kind of embarrassing. Right. And especially a womanly trade at that. Like, 
I was gonna right. say I felt like the book made it a point to say that the glamour was more woman oriented um with it briefly touching on like some of the better artists of the glamour were men but it only briefly touched on that so but it was more of a womanly seen as a womanly trade well and even um for for his job like he was willing to give up his job to have a respectable lifestyle to marry Jane in the book. Right. So it was obviously and very clearly something that was very embarrassing. So, so embarrassing that he did not want to tarnish Jane with his trade. Well, but then in the end, I mean, she says, don't change your way or I won't go with you. And so they still go out and do it. Anyway. I know, but so it doesn't really. Like... There is a societal pressure there. I mean, the person, she rejects it and he rejects it and he's not bothered by changing his name. My family's super embarrassed of me, but I'm not embarrassed of me. So I just, I didn't see the pressure on him. Like his family said, change your name or you can't do it. And he's like, cool, I'll change my name. And then he, you know, went out and did what he wanted. So I just, I didn't see it as much. That's all. Maybe you would feel differently if your family disowned you for the job you chose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's all. He could go back, though. It felt like he could go back at any time as long as he stopped. So, I mean, was that really disowned or just cut off temporarily? I think being a fan of Regency romances, reading this one and what he did is a bigger deal and understanding the society and the way that, like, having a a more in-depth understanding of how the society works and what is expected of men and women, wherever they are in society, how you do not lower your station, you don't go above your station, and, like... It's there. It is a fine line you walk living in this society, in the jobs you can do, and the people you can talk to, and how you have to conduct yourself. So I could understand someone who just doesn't really care for Regency kind of books. How some of these like characters would be utterly ridiculous because they are really (laughs) they they are. When you think about it through the lens of where we are in our lives. Having someone being like, oh, yes, I gave up my family name so I could go do women's work. Like, we're like, oh, great. Good for you. Where in that time period, it was, he was looking at being completely destitute after living a very fluffy life with the money and everything. So I can completely, Chesky, understand where you're coming from because these are, these are ridiculous characters. But at the same time, having read several Regency novels and under having a little bit better understanding of how the society works like some of the choices that these character make like these characters make are a big deal like the idea that um dunkirk has killed a man because he ran off with his sister mm-hmm. of course she was 14 and i can't imagine any older brother not wanting to kill someone <laughs> with their 14 right. year old sister but yeah <laughs> so it's just some of the stuff that happens in this and like okay that's in the society it it makes sense and I can follow where they're where these characters are heading a little bit more. Yeah, and I'll fully I'll fully acknowledge my weakness in Regency um, because again, it's not my favorite. Like I did enjoy this one, like I said earlier, but on a whole, I, I do not read a whole lot of Regency, so I don't have the whole background and understanding. But yeah. and the other thing I was going to add is you kept saying, "Well, he has money," but actually, he's a third son. He's not going to inherit the property. He gets nothing. He's going to have to have a job. So then, I mean, to that point, then he might as well start making a name for himself as Mr. Vincent, trying to you know, earn money. Doing yeah, but he's not. Because being... if he's not going to inherit, he has to figure out some way to get money. 
He could go in the military, like you said, or join the priesthood clergy, but obviously he doesn't want either of those. Which is what makes him a stronger character for deciding to go against society norms and following his passion or whatever. Like a princess character. Like a what? A princess character. Let it go. Let it go. Okay. To the next question. Is it normal? And did it, it just, it was weird to me that her mom kept doing these weird humble brags about being sick. Oh, I was so laid up in bed for three days. I just, I was so sad. And, and Mrs. Marchand one time I wrote it down was like, I've been in bed for days because of that fright that you gave us. And you know, I just had to pull myself up when I heard that you were feeling sick and like, look how tough I am for laying in bed for three days and then coming to visit you. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, just, I, I did not understand the whole like, I'm going to brag about how sick I am or like, it's the meeting of the hypochondriacs. <laughs> well, that's exactly what it is. These women use their sickness for power. It's how they manipulate the world around them. It's how they control things. They make people come to them and wait on them. And you can see, like, that's one of the things that's really upsetting about, for me, about Melody's character is she starts to take this on. Oh, I sprained my ankle. Carry me to the house. Sadly, I have done such something or other. Baked an injury. I have. I was in college. It was very, it was a low point now that I think back on it. Point. Girls do it, man. They do. It's it's like the easiest way. It's that attention grabber. You like. I happen to have a sister in law who I would probably claim to be on like as a hypochondriac, and that's how she gains attention and sympathy, and that's how like she lives her life. And I was like, it it is a it's a depressing way to go through life. And I have to admit, like the mother in this, she is ridiculous. She is beyond ridiculous with her her antics and. But it's also something that was kind of almost expected of women. Like, oh, you walked into something or other and you must swoon because that you're a woman and you can't emotionally, mentally handle this. So we're going to catch you because, I mean, they have fainting couches for. I Yeah, no, I know. I just that's <laughs> like, you're going to admit that you were in bed for three or four days doing nothing. Like, I would never admit that if I was me. But again, I'm not a Regency character. <laughs> and you're also a man, so you wouldn't. In yeah, that no, you wouldn't. Still, but, like, <laughs> but it was, like, expected of women. Like, that's why they had the fainting couches. That's, you know. I need to go to bed. I have a headache. I cannot <laughs> stay. <laughs> oh, that would be so nice to go to bed just because I have a headache. <laughs> right. But Please I mean, excuse me from dinner. I have a headache. Well, the point is, is that that you as a man in that society would not be able to do that. You'd be weak. However, that was a tool of power for women. It got them attention. It got them what they needed. Everyone would sit around and talk about. I don't know. It's like all the women were 90 year olds because, you know, how people get together. <laughs> they talk about everything that's wrong with them. Except you okay. were like that the entire time. Then I know what the women do. Apparently they just, they feign sick and do whatever they want and practice. What do the men do all day? Because as far as I know, Mr. Ellswood just sits at his desk and like reads the paper all day. I'm sure there's numbers involved. Like so-and-so brought in this much money with their farm. 
and so and so brought in this much money with their farm and i need to add these up oh this one's not bringing in money so i should go check on them this is what they do yeah budgeting i I wish i had seen a little bit more of a of a of a father or like mr dunkirk actually do something beyond be a chaperone i mean i understand the chaperoning but like (laughs) <laughs> he just, like, leaves and, and leaves and comes back and it's like where did he leave to i mean just like he could have said something like oh he left to go check on a farm that wasn't producing and that would have explained it a lot more like oh he's taking care of it and looking at the owners or whatever but it's not about i really think you definitely <laughs> wanted a completely different book <laughs> yeah, than this <laughs> author actually <laughs> that's just what i normally get is that detail and i just <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'll stop complaining. I didn't. <laughs> so funny. No, I, I love this. But you I, are definitely looking for a book that this book is not going to ever be. Can we get you and Ken discussing this book? Because Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> this, would, this would be fantastic. If I could get Ken to even read this book, like pick it up in general. I'm sure you say Regency Romance and he'd be like, no. But. I'd read it again with Ken. I don't mind. That would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> Ken, can't imagine him having anything nice to say about this book. Well, there are dueling pistols at the end of the book. Yes. And then she makes the whole world dark. And Maybe then the whole world. Well, the whole area around them dark. <laughs> and then the bad guy, for some reason, attacks her and gets shot or something. Or runs away. I don't even remember. It made he no runs sense. away and Mr. Vincent or Beth gets shot. I think it's Mr. Vincent gets shot. Yeah, Mr. Vincent gets shot. Yeah. Speaking of so, so, social press, pressures, Mr., uh, Captain Livingston cannot enter society again. Polite society because of what he's done. So, there's that. Oh, no. It was Mr. Buffington that got shot because he owed him a lot of money. Or stabbed. I think he I got stabbed. Know. Maybe he got stabbed. It was- it was very, it doesn't matter. It was Guys. dark. No one saw anything. <laughs> we didn't even see anything as the readers. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what happened. No, there was some blood. People got injured. <laughs> there was fainting and gunfire and darkness. It was all very exciting. <laughs> would like to hear a Kendrick cap of that. <laughs> of that whole scene. Um, so Chesky. I believe this is your question. Do you agree with Mr. Vincent? Art should be viewed as art, final project, and not deconstructed into how it was made. Do you? No. Sorry. No, it's fine. You can go, Stephanie. Do you want me to elaborate? Yes, <laughs> please, please do. <laughs> so I am not a paintbrush drawing like artist, but I am definitely an artist. And I love deconstructing things and knowing how they are done. Because I appreciate, I appreciate what's behind the curtain. I could definitely walk in and, and appreciate a, a gorgeous piece of art of whatever kind of art it is, music, theater. I mean, I, obviously, I tend to look at a lot of costumes and what people are wearing because that's my, my forte and what I'm interested in. And I can appreciate those. But having, knowing what went into it, what the time that it took, the energy the thought process of where where did this come from especially when you're looking at an an actual art piece and you're like okay is this a landscape of something like where in your mind did this come from i love knowing the background story and i think it it gives us 
as viewers a, a stronger appreciation for what the art is. I I definitely think that there's a time and a place for it both, like where you can walk in and not want to immediately deconstruct what, especially with something like what he had just done. Go in, appreciate it for what it is. Look at the nuances of the small details and everything. And then come back and then start looking at the deeper side of what it is. So I agree with that. So I am a quilter and I feel like the way that I learn to quilt better is by looking at other people's quilts and how they quilted them, how they put them together. What, what cutting technique did they use? <laughs> what, like whatever did they use? Did they use embroidery thread? Did they use regular thread? You know, just. How did they put this together? And by seeing that, I feel like it helps me become a better quilter. So I agree. It it makes it have more value to me that way. Um, we don't particularly love going to art museums because neither of us are like major painters or anything. So we don't like super appreciate. I mean, I feel like I appreciate that skill on a very surface level, but like I'm never going to go recreate a landscape painting and I don't care about <laughs> I don't know so maybe different types of art have a different value for me I, I don't know yeah I like she said <laughs> I don't really appreciate art as much as I probably should but I walk through an art gallery and I'll just like five seconds each painting because I don't I just don't care I don't feel a lot when I look at art I feel a lot when I read books but not when I look at art but <laughs> I would almost, I, so I agree with you guys that art, you know, looking at how it was made enhances it. But to argue Mr. Vincent's point here, I think the people that he was, you know, helping out or making this art for, I don't think they would have had, aside from Jane, like most of them would have had no real appreciation for the work or the knowing of how it was done behind the scenes. And so to them, it doesn't enhance it. And so he is so used to dealing with them, he's taking this, you know, I want, you to just look at the front because that's all that matters to you. You know, you could look behind it and not get anything. Whereas other people could, but he hasn't dealt with them enough to like appreciate that part of it yet. But yeah, I love, would love to deconstruct things more than actually view it themselves most of the time. I think his main point, and I could be wrong, but my read on it was um, he wasn't done. And to have somebody come in and start poking around with his incomplete work is what made him angry. Maybe a little bit partially also she figured it out and uh, he was used to being the smartest guy in the room. But um, I mean, I could understand being an artist and like, I don't want you to look at this till it's done. Like, we can talk about how I did it later. I don't know. He wouldn't Guys, want to talk about how it was done ever. Just like, it's done. Look at the outside. Maybe. I don't know. Well, it I mean, does to kind of argue that point when they're up on the hilltop and he creates the um, skier, seer, seer, whatever it's called. And she immediately turns around and deconstructs it and figures out how to do it. And he got mad because that was his thing. That was his little piece of secret or whatever. And the fact that she was able to figure it out. And I think a lot of it is that kind of not, he's no longer the smartest man in the room. I think there was a little bit of jealousy in that going, okay, if I don't allow people to look behind the curtain of how things are made, then I get to keep my own secrets instead of having to share them. And everyone else can just appreciate what I have done instead of sharing that knowledge a little bit. Because I don't think he really, it's not until the very end when he finally gives her his book of his secrets 
that I think he finally realizes. I think Chesky kind of hit it for me where, gosh, now I don't remember what you said. Just that nobody appreciates like the hard work or the detail behind the scenes, except for her. Kind of what I was. Yeah, where it was the the society just wasn't appreciated. Thank you for reminding me. I was like, I I acknowledged what you said, and then for the life of me, once I started talking about it, I couldn't remember what it was. But that society wouldn't have appreciated all of the work that he did, so he would get upset if someone tried to meddle and figure it out. But then he found someone that was his equal. That once he realized that she was his equal. It was no longer an upset thing that he was willing to share his secrets with her, I guess. I don't, when I was reading, when you read his journal or when she reads his journal about her, you know, deconstructing his obscure eye right in front of him. And, you know, he starts really angry at the beginning, like, oh, she saw it and deconstructed it immediately and then made a change. And then he's like, oh, wait, but then I got inspired on my own from this. And so I think that's kind of like the start of like, yeah, he was mad because he's used to people not doing that. And she did kind of do a rude thing where she did it like right in front of him and was like, Hey, look what I could do as well. And it's, you know, I'm just as good as him. And, you know, she didn't mean it, but he didn't know that. And then he was like, Oh wait, like, you know, I, she, you can start to see it where he's like starting to turn in that instance where it's not just, Oh, she looked behind the scenes. It's like, Oh, I could see the better and the betterness of that now. Well, and also where they're doing the, the play and he's Apollo and she's Daphne right? Yeah. And she puts a slipknot in the thing with the glamour and the blah, blah, blah. Who knows? Like, the magic system, I don't even care about. It's nonsense. Like, a lot of this book, but that's okay. All magic systems are nonsense. If you <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> but what I'm saying is it's like, it doesn't matter that it doesn't make a lot of sense. So she puts the slipknot in, she slips the knot, and she turns into a tree, and he gets really inspired by that. And I think that happens right after the Obscure thing, right? Pretty close. Yeah, so like I don't know. I, I think I think he has a reason to be irritated because he kind of embarrassed she kind of embarrassed him, but then she does something really cool and then they work it out and it's all great and then It's then like a Regency novel where it's everyone like a ends romance. Up. <laughs> wow. I like the romance, so, less the Regency. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know if I quite buy it, but whatever. Yeah, okay. the romance is actually kind of cheesy in this one, too. So Yeah, I buy Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth way more than I buy Mr. Vincent and Jane. But yeah, I can get behind that. <laughs> okay, so complain some more about the ending that wasn't an ending, Chesky, because I'm, I'm sure this oh, is your was, question, too. Well, I was just I put it in there. How you, I was wondering how you guys felt about it, because I know that there's a series, but I'm guessing happened is that she wrote it as a standalone as she writes most of her books and then was like oh it did really well and more pe people want a lot more of them i'll continue to write more and then you know wrote more and she did leave plenty of room for herself there because she was like we're going to talk about the ending but like there's plenty of other stories in another book that you can read and so i was like uh i don't care i don't like i would have just cut that last half off and just been like and they got married and walked into the sunset and then there's the next book where you can read all about it. Are you talking about like the ending part where she like jumps forward to the end of their lives when they're like old and sitting there? Or are you talking about the ending with the big battle and that that's utter ridiculousness? Yeah, well, just the I just didn't like the ending where she's like they like time skipped where it's like they got married and then they lived happily and they did adventures and they did this mm -hmm. and that and it ends and, and you're like and this is the end of their life and they're still 
super deeply in love, which is fine. Like I like that, but I'm like, could have just cut that whole section. He comes out against lifelong love. No, I right here. This whole yeah. growing old together thing is overrated. I said, I said the time skipping and the long skip to the end when you know there's going to be more books. If you know that, I just didn't like the ending. Ending. I mean, I like the ending, not that ending. Okay. How did you guys feel about it? I I understand what you're saying about the whole thing with the that's a story for another volume. I think is how she puts it. Um, I would have cut just that part and just gone to the end when they're sitting together talking to students i was like it's it's a romance novel so there has to be like a happily ever after moment and i guess that was the happily ever after. i don't know what do you think stephanie i would have been fine with oh they got married yeah i would have too and be done with it i don't it because it does it feels like she finished a book and this was the plan it's a book but, oh, now I have followers and readers and people like this story. So now I'm going to pretend I didn't jump to the end of their lives. And I'm going to tell you what happened. Not even to the end of their lives because I have read all of this series. And it only covers like the next five-ish years or something like that. And so it it was weird to me that it was, I'm going to wrap up this story. But just kidding because I want to make more money. Yeah, and I agree with you. I don't, I mean, I don't begrudge her wanting to make more money, right? I don't think you do either. But yeah, it was a weird move to go with that, right? Yeah, I would have yeah. just ended it earlier. Sure. Yeah, here's what happened. So I got, I have it pulled up right here. So they're like, oh, they got, they got married, then they left, then they packed up some stuff, they visited the great houses, the, the other Melody got married, and then it's like, then their later career might seem strange, you know, blah, blah, blah. Those other details belong in other volumes. All that is required for an understanding of their love is this small scene from their declining years. And then it zooms in on them and teaching the student. And it just felt like the weirdest perspective shift to me where we've been like tight following Jane the whole time. And then we pull back to this like narrator almost just for like this paragraph and a half. And then it's back in on Jane, right? That's the only part that I would cut is the whole, that one part about, in other volumes, that phrase always be around. Or the end of their life. I don't even mind that. I don't mind them skipping to the end of their lives and saying they all lived happily ever after. I mean, that's fine. But that I just one... assumed that they died somewhere in their 40s and never actually made it to Grey. And they probably didn't have children and they were super unhappy. Probably the Black Death swept through. Yeah. <laughs> Killed everybody. One of them died early. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it's not a pretty story. We're just going to not tell that story. I don't I'm just saying that only I get this what is what saying. she should have written <laughs> yes you hear that you hear that we're giving you notes <laughs> Mary right. come on our podcast and defend yourself <laughs> all right I know Stephanie's read all the books um Red are you gonna finish the series <laughs> probably not probably not you know, if, five I get, books total. if I get in the mood sure I'll pick up another book what do you say <laughs> I think I read to the third book and then I was bored. Mm. So I don't think I, I like they, So she goes actually into more in depth on some of the magic system, which I like in her later books. Yeah. Because though Little Red, you think it's nonsense. I actually really liked this idea of this magic system. Like, I think it would be cool to to pull things out and, and enhance life, I guess, with, with the way that they can make 
wind blowing through these portraits. And I think for that time period, this would have been so cool. Maybe not in our technology filled world where like I feel like Harry Potter over here because Ryan has like this live action like photo frame of us like wavy like Harry Potter is like so maybe not so much in our time period but in that I think it would be cool to being able to to add details in artistry and enhance the world I probably would not be very good at it though so so but I really I-, I enjoyed the magic system so when I say it's nonsense what I mean is it's not like a hard system like it's all very ethereal it doesn't really have I, I don't I, I enjoy the magic system, too. It's a lot of fun. But what I'm saying is it's like there's not these hard and, and set rules like if you're reading Allomancy and Brandon Sanderson. Not that it's nonsense as in that it's stupid. It's just like this, mm. like Gandalf says, you know, you shall not pass. I was excited we know about for a little more magic, but I, when I read the next of them, I'll get it apparently. And that's kind of what I what I figured. So, Of course, in a first book, you want really that explanation early on. You don't want to be like, yeah. oh, in the yeah. third book in the series, you'll actually get a detailed explanation of yeah. how the ether actually works and what they are pulling. Not that that's even true, to be honest with you, because I don't think they, she ever like she explains it a little bit more as the two of them work together. Right. But that's right. the magic system is never. Yeah, it's never fully hard. explained right. as to what it is. So, yeah, I thought it was a. Uh, just a decent explanation anyway. You know, they pull from the ether, you can fold it off, you can make this, you can make that. I'll save my complaint for what they could use the magic for in Rhea. In fact, to be more productive, but, uh, you know, (laughs) making making pictures move is fine too. There is. They talk about the cold monger. Right. um, It can actually keep things cold. Like... That's, there are people with jobs. Yeah. No, that's what I said. They can make it dark and confuse a dueling thing that is happening at the end of the and they do discuss why it's not useful in like military aspects because yeah it gets set in places and people are like oh well i'm just gonna walk through that now right no i understood that i had i just had a lot of other thoughts about things and i won't bring them up well tell us tell us what the best Oh, I just just thought like oh it'd be so cool if they would like just show other uses for it beyond like painting and I, I really liked when they go to the dress shop and she's like here's what the dress will look like on you in a little mini version of you and you can i loved that that was fun, and, you know, that was whatever. fun. I thought, like i thought that was a really awesome practical use of it i just didn't and i she, wish there was more of it because it was like oh yeah i'll make i'll make the picture have wind and it's like that's cool but it's not like it's not like super helpful in like a work environment which is not the story and that's i know what it is and i'm not you know what I mean? I'm not like looking for it more because I know he it's wants the cobbler story in the village <laughs> right? That's right by their house that yeah. has to still use this magic system, but actually lives a real life with right. a real job. Yeah. You are no, not I mean, interested in the town that's going to bath. You're not interested right. in that. No, I mean, I thought the art was cool. Like when he makes the big forest scene in the house and everything. And I'm like, I appreciate that because that's what they're doing. But I'm like, I also want to just see these other practical uses that would get used because, you know, if people have it, they're going to use it for smaller, more practical things as well. You know, you do see it a little bit more in other books and some of the the challenges that using it, because I I do appreciate some of these magic systems when they give it a a flaw or a weakness Mm -hmm. where it's not like, oh, well, I can pull from the ether and I can do impossible things with it and I can use it forever. 
No, you have a set amount of time. And as soon as you use it for too long, you're going to start making yourself sick. You're going to start really putting yourself at risk. And I appreciate having a flaw in the magic system that has to balance out being able to use it for certain things in their their day-to-day lives. You know, if I use it, is it worth losing that time of using it later? Yeah. So. And they use it for practical things too, not just the cold eavesdropping. I mean, it's very practical. (laughs) I mean, you need to know that stuff when you are in society. But also, she just like summons a wind to cool off her sister when her sister faints and stuff like that. So yeah, Chesky needs to write. um, (laughs) Chesky needs to write some fanfic about the cobbler down the road. (laughs) Yes, write fanfic. Thank you very much. Very well. There will never be a day, most likely, hopefully, <laughs> where you see a piece of fanfic with Chesky Kuja as the uh, author name. So, <laughs> do you want to say anything? Okay. Last thoughts. What would you recommend? If you like this book, what should you read? Apparently, you should go read some Regency romances. So. <laughs> <laughs> Pride so, and Prejudice. I'm actually reading a different, you would know what I'm reading. He gives me the book I read. Oh, yeah, she's reading... I'm actually uh, reading another book series from her that I actually love a whole lot better than this one. The Lady Astronaut series. Oh, so sounds fun. I don't know. That's my random recommendation. Totally not romance, Regency romance, but... That's um, okay. She definitely, I feel like, writes a lot better in that one. Like, her, the voice of the book is a lot better, and there's a lot more detail that I felt was lacking in this book. So is it a romance? Yes. It's a husband wife romance. Well, that's nice. That's great. You don't see many have romance in a marriage. Yeah. Yeah, I I see many husband wife books. So it's kind of like a breath of fresh air almost. So I think that's great. What about you, Stephanie? Who is you? (laughs) Which one of you? I got one of you. I have one. I can recommend you go right and then I'll go. Okay. So, I thought, because I, because Chesky recommended this to Stephanie. I was like, oh, yes, you should definitely read this book. It's perfect. But then I started reading it, and I realized I had never read this book before. It was a different book that I had read that I confused with this book. And I finally figured out the name, and it's The Magicians and Mrs. Quint by Galen Beckett. So that's what I'd recommend, magic and Regency romance. And I'll share it with you in the DM, Steph. Good, because now I don't have to write, because... Yes, I was recommended another book that I'm currently in the middle of, which I don't think actually has anything to do with this one, but I am reading A Natural History of Dragons. Dragons. Of Dragons. Yeah, by Marie Brennan. She was at JordanCon where we were at last weekend. Mm. And so I got to meet her and sit through her Q&A. And so um, Jafu is actually the one we sat down to lunch with him and his wife and a couple of other our Discord listeners. And that's what he recommended to me and Megan specifically. So that, I don't know, it feels, it's not really, I'm not very far into it, but it doesn't feel like that same like romance novel, but it still feel, feels like it fits into the Regency time period of the society and what's expected of society and especially women in society. And I love this because it's definitely a woman breaking the society norms of that era because she wants to study dragons. <laughs> but So I'm only like, a fourth of the way into it but it kind of feels society wise in that same realm of a book right this isn't a book i don't think i would recommend to a lot of people 
milk uh, shades of milk and honey specifically like oh i'd recommend this to a ton of people i already have <laughs> i just don't know anyone i mean when you oh. think about the people i hang out with like i that i oh. converse fantasy novels with um yeah ken ken johnson go read this book <laughs> just so i can hear you complain about you it know, what's so funny is that i'm on this episode and was also on the action movie episode <laughs> yeah Oh, that's right. He just recorded with you guys, didn't he? Uh, he did. It was fun. I remember. So okay. I that's my only thing with this book is I really enjoyed it. I had fun with it. I loved following their story, especially once they were married and everything that happens within their life over the next few years, I think is really quite, I think it's a better story personally, I guess, than this first one. But I have a hard time thinking of who I would recommend this specific book to. Panda just... and Lady Sweden. And merely, yeah, I, I just don't. <laughs> like, I don't converse with you guys quite as much as you all you. do. I, so I could recommend something. And be like, yeah, you should go read this. And they're like, you don't know me at all, do you? That's okay. I do that all the time. Yeah, you recommend, recommend everything. Well, I like everything. So <laughs> except <say>. worm. How <laughs> uh, that one and, you have to have a certain person for? So and a Christmas Carol. You didn't like that either. Was, I mean, it was a long, quite boring uh, book. Just, just, <laughs> I'm just giving you a bad time. Just you can worry. go read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yeah, oh, I, I, I did listen fun. to you guys talk about that one. But I think just How? listening to you guys, I got the whole story, so I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> the movie's kind of fun if you haven't seen the movie, but. No? Oh, I didn't know there was a movie. Yeah, yeah. it has Lily James as um, Elizabeth. I don't want to see the movie. I just didn't know there was one. <laughs> It's actually quite funny. Oh, is some, it? Okay. Some moments in it that are are quite funny in that. The zombies. Okay. It's the zombies that make it interesting, really. Maybe I'll keep it on the back burner. Yeah. But I don't have it's like, oh, what am I going to watch today? I don't have anything. I'm just going to turn on Pride and Prejudice and Zombies because it's a zombie movie. Chesky, recommend a book. If you like this, you should read. A book that you find by going to Google and searching Regency Romance. <laughs> I'm sure you'll find a good one. <laughs> I can recommend you all the other books I've been reading this week, but I don't think they really match with this tone for the most part. <laughs> okay. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> this concludes our episode. You can find us on the Legendarium's Discord. Invite The invite link is on thelegendarium.com. We are also on Twitter at Green Team Pod. Join us in supporting the Legendarium via Patreon. Thank you, Craig, for loaning us a little corner of your media empire and for Horizon Bray for starting this all. Music is by Galactic Damages, is Galactic Damages by Jingle Punks. Thank you, Chesky, Lady Chesky, and Stephanie. Have a good night, everybody. Hey.